welcome to the Coaching Uncovered podcast. My name is Brent Davis and I am the host of the podcast and this is my podcast where I get to talk to coaches about coaching and today we've got Scotty Williams back again to chat with us. Thanks for coming in again, Scotty. Thanks for having me. We're going to have a good chat today, so I'm going to let you talk about the topic first up today because it's a bit more in it's a bit more in your wheelhouse than mine. But um, let's um, let's uh, tune everybody into the topic for today. Oh, so you make you're teaching me how to do introductions now. I am. You, you are a old machine, and I'm no good at this, but I'll give it a crack. So, all right, here we go. So today we wanted to talk about stretching and flexibility. And I guess, obviously, it's something that's um, long accepted in golf, but probably more recently, scientifically, we've been scrutinizing just where the benefits are and where the benefits are not when it comes to stretching and flexibility. Um, and the other thing that I, I guess the way we're going to discuss it today is that stretching and flexibility are not actually the same thing. So some of the benefits that you get from doing a regular stretch program may not actually be increases in flexibility. So flexibility and stretching are two separate issues. If, if okay. I could start out. Like, well, there's a, I promised you a curveball. <laughs> you <laughs> well, have, you've, <laughs> you've completely thrown me straight away. That's, that's a good start. That's a good start. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's a funny thing because back when I was starting out, and we always go back to when I was first playing golf, it was all about flexibility. It was all about stretching. It was all about you didn't do any strength training. You didn't do any gym work. It was all about stretching. It was all about getting flexible to play better golf. Um, mm. and, and that's obviously changed a bit over the time. But, um, yeah, you've, you've thrown me by saying flexibility and stretching are different things. <laughs> I'm, um, yeah, let's let's talk about that to start with. Then. Yeah, let's yeah, go so let, let, yeah. Otherwise, we'll be completely lost and we'll never get out <laughs> of this corner um, that I've thrown us in. So, so obviously, um, well, one of the things that I've noticed as a practitioner over the years, let's just take the hamstrings as the example. I've had people that have had terrible hamstring flexibility, which may not actually be their issue in the first place, but let's just take it that on face value, they have poor flexibility in their hamstring. So they can't touch their toes and they might even, as further evidence, they may feel that they're restricted in the back of their legs in the area of the hamstring. So you can go, okay, there could be an issue there. And I've had people that have religiously stretched, religiously stretched their hamstrings. And I can guarantee you six months later, a year later, two years later, the flexibility has not actually improved in that area. So their range of motion may not actually improve. So there's so, so basically, I guess where we could start this is, if you want to improve flexibility, stretching is only one tool, one, one tool, and possibly not even the best tool. So what are some of the other tools? Mobility. So, so typically, and most practitioners, I imagine would agree with this roughly at least that typically if someone has a restriction in range of motion, so they can't move far enough in a certain area in their body, it's because there's stiff tissue around the joint. So some overactive tissue, which is probably adaptively shortened. So it's become shorter, but possibly that is actually occurring because there's a weakness maybe in the opposite muscle group. So getting some balance around the joint where all the muscles are doing their job and they're all of 
sort of equal strength and and length, um, you know, as a general concept, is the way that you optimize your range of motion. So that so I haven't even mentioned stretching yet. We could do some direct pressure techniques, foam rollers, spiky balls, things of that nature could could loosen the, the stiff tissue. And strengthening up some weak stabilizer muscles around the joint is probably actually going to get your range of motion back faster than just stretching itself. Okay. Um, you brought back some flashbacks when you spoke about hamstrings and me, <laughs> uh, me on Ramsey's uh, benches and him working on my hamstrings and hurting me big with time. Some, with some rather direct pressure techniques, I imagine. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> I had tied hamstrings and that was a problem uh, personally and yeah, he, he hurt me big time. So I was having um, uh, flashbacks big time then. Yeah. Yes. Look, I had I actually had the pleasure of receiving some of his pain, but I actually was one of the few people that was allowed to give it back as well. So <laughs> I had I had him squirming on the table. So that's that's one for everyone who's uh, been on the receiving end. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, that's that's um that that's a a, a thought provoking comment you've made there. So that I hadn't thought about it that way before. So, um, so how would a person, how would a golfer go about determining what they should be doing in this space if they should they be stretching? Should they be doing the other types of treatments? There's no doubt that um, seeing a physiotherapist or, you know, perhaps um, an ex I mean, I'm an exercise physiologist, but I get a lot of this uh, knowledge from my background as a myotherapist as well. So the hands-on work is sort of, I guess, why I'm maybe a little bit more informed in this area than the typical exercise folks. But, but typically, you know, a physiotherapist would be able to screen and, and then possibly, particularly if you're a, a golfer that needs to maintain your own body because you're traveling or whatever and you can't go and see that physio on a regular basis, one thing I encourage is for, for them to pay attention to the areas that are actually being released and, and if the physio thinks that they need to continue doing a bit of that maintenance themselves with some more direct pressure techniques, identifying a weakness in the area, working on that with some, you know, two or three exercises. So that's kind of leading to that. The daily maintenance program that um, Ramsey was a big fan of, I'm a big fan of. I almost think the more training and practice you're going to do, the more of that maintenance work you, you need to do to, main, to maintain balance around joints so that you've got stability, so that you don't get injured, and you've got optimal range of motion and some consistency in your body. So they're really the things that we want to have as a golfer as opposed to endless flexibility. And... Um, and that's where I can almost cue to some of the, your experiences as a coach. Um, we'll come back to stretching and perhaps why it is still beneficial later. But um, yeah, endless, endless, uh, endless range of motion or, or excessive flexibility is not necessarily amazing for golfers. Yeah, it can cause problems, but I, I I do want to come back to that. I just want to cover off a thought that I had while you were talking then. Um, as I said earlier, it was all about stretching and flexibility when I first started. So we're talking uh, late 80s when I was, was playing, starting to get um, half-decent skills in the golf level, and it was all about stretching. There was no weight training. I might be showing my age now, but I'm going to ask you – when did the switch start to happen away from just pure flexibility and into a combination of strength and flexibility training? Tiger Woods, 1997. 
yeah, he, he was kind of the, the, the key to there. I, I think I would argue the Australians are probably ahead of the curve when it comes to that. I reckon we were doing it in the yeah. sport, in, in the state-based systems probably a, a fraction earlier than that. I have seen some institute-based golf programs, strength and conditioning programs from the mid-90s. Um, we've got to be careful. Not sure who's listening to this. But um, actually, no, I'm, I'm going to be fair. It was relayed to me by, by some golfers who were in the program. So not necessarily a, a clear indication of what was going on. But there was some strength work in it, for sure. Um, but, you know, it was a little bit more isolated, I guess. There was some wrist strengthening. There was some, um, rather than a general strength and conditioning that we sort of know to be beneficial today. But look, some of the... Some of the early research in this area, there was an article by Westcott in 1996, and it was titled, um, Strength Training is Not, something along the lines of it, is not, an inca- is not incompatible with golf. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so it was, um, and then a, a year later, he did a similar article on um, power. So, and it was something like, it takes its place alongside strength training as a, uh, a valid development tool for a golfer so so certainly back then that was news to the scientific community um as well so you know it was all around the same time and and no doubt um you know you get two or three players who are going uh really well you know and leading the sport like tiger was for example and everyone wants to know what they're doing and you know it sort of spreads that way It's it's interesting it's sort of a science kind of follows their performance in a way and sort yep. of picks up the pieces. But then there's a bit of a lag between that and I guess everyone else getting on board. Yeah. You could, you could almost classify Ramsey's posture belts and walking backwards up sand dunes as an early form of strength training for golf as well because that's not obviously pure flexibility stuff and having mm. posture belts on and bands around your knees and walking backwards up sand dunes is not the easiest thing in the world to do. No, I did plenty of that too, and it, it is hard. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah, look, look, this sort of, I can kind of dovetail back to, to stretching almost. And it's like the things that, that we would, well, even with some of that uh, posture-based training, is again, you actually found improved range of motion around joints because his his training was strengthening weak muscles around joints that were causing their opposite muscle group to get short and tight to then restrict the joint. So he, by, by targeting weaknesses, and he'd basically seen enough over a long enough period of time to work out that there were some commonalities between where golfers were typically short and tight and a bit weak, and it was largely posture-based. And so if we just keep hammering away at those posture-based muscles, and hey, why not make it really hard and challenge people mentally and give them some endurance work as well? Golfers definitely need endurance. So he kind of packaged it all up as something that um, you know he could inflict on large groups <laughs> <laughs> and, and hurt them big time. I would yeah. I would kill to be able to find my old my old form that he filled in when he did my first ever breakdown of my body and there was tight plus plus pluses and lots of weak plus yeah, plus yeah, yeah 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 one on two my, three pluses yep yeah on my form um i would love to find that again i have to go hunting up in my hometown of albury and see where i can find it i'm sure it's floating around somewhere well, i tell you i tell you another thing just about that is what you'd be i mean apart from being startled by seeing what was on that screening all those years ago the interesting thing is if you were to get screened again, the amount of that that would still be there would be even more startling. So 
typically I reckon you could get a golfer, you could screen them, and then five years later you could screen them again and there'd be 70 to 80% that would be the same. Now, why is that? Is that because they're lazy? Sometimes, yes. Is it because uh, the programs that we give them don't necessarily work? Well, maybe. But again, what it is, in, in my experience, and certainly I think would have been in Ramsey's as well, is that unless you target weak muscles, they don't get strong. You've got to really hone in on them because the body's amazingly adaptable at trying to, uh, or it, it has an amazing ability to compensate to avoid its weaknesses. So they don't auto-correct. And remember, it's the weak muscles that cause the short, tight muscles that cause the range of motion restrictions and, the, and some of the postural deficits. So, yeah. Is that because, and I'm coming at it from a coaching perspective now, and the golfers that don't improve due to good quality coaching that comes their way, but they don't, they don't do the things that are tough for them to do. So doing those exercises that might target those weaknesses might be difficult for them to do. So they mm. tend to shy away from doing those exercises. Yeah, and I, look, I think, you know, we're, we're talking about Ramsey a lot this episode, but um, the the thing that he did the best, if I had to nail it down to one thing, is that somehow he popularised within the golf community something that was boring and difficult to do, but very necessary. So, you know, he just promoted the hell out of it and got everyone to kind of almost feel like they were missing out if they weren't doing it. So to, to you know, like I do with CrossFit. Yeah, they're all doing it. I do CrossFit. And one of the things that CrossFit has done, which is quite amazing if you were to put yourself on a time machine and go back 15 years, is they've made barbell training and Olympic lifting training popular and common and mainstream and because it wasn't something that people really enjoyed doing. And the same with um, you know physio-based exercises. They're, they're a bit boring. They're a bit tedious. Um, you know, you've got to be disciplined to do it. Most people don't have that level of discipline. He found a way to make it popular, so that was that was impressive. Yeah, it is cool, and he's he's popping up on podcasts more and more often now. Ramsey, I'm hearing him, um, hearing people talk about him all the time now, which is good. So really, wow, yeah, it's um, it's a shame that he has passed away because he's an he was an awesome man, had plenty of great information to share with everybody, and was really open with sharing good his sharing, stuff. With, yeah, which was which was really cool. Okay, so let's go back to what we were talking about before about you said sometimes being too flexible can be problems. And um, mm. personally, I faced this pretty heavily when I was in Taiwan and China. So I had I had some female athletes over there that were I would classify as hypermobile and um, had some pretty significant um, over flexible problems um i've got to find the picture i'll probably i'll try and find the picture and put it out on social media but i've got a picture of one of the players lying on her stomach with her arms out and being able to touch her arms with her leg she could get her leg <laughs> over over the top of herself basically yeah, and wow. touch her leg so i'll go on i'll try and find that that picture and that caused swing problems as well. So we ended up with um, too much body turn in the swing. We had lack of stability in the swing as well. Um, mm. and, and we find that with female golfers anyway through the pelvis and things like that, they haven't got the stability sometimes that a, a guy golfer may have. So mm. that, that golfer having those issues just caused 
a heap of swing problems personally for me to try and get them to to feel more in control of their golf swing. It was it was a challenging uh, coaching thing for me to deal with. So mm. how did you come out of golfer? I'll I'll get you to go first about how you come at that player from a physical training point of view, and I'll come at it from a coaching perspective. Yeah, well, I mean, imagine I imagine that um, as a coach, but also the player themselves. You know, there's certainly, I guess, having not been in a super hypermobile, uh, you know, Asian body, um, I don't know how it would feel. But, you know, we often look for feelings in our body where we actually create a stretch and we get a reflex, um, you know, contraction that follows that. And those sort of stretch reflexes are part of what is familiar to a golf swing. Um, you know, a lot of these players that you're talking about, you know, they don't really they don't really have an end range in their golf swing. It can just keep going. Um, and once it goes too far, it can throw the center of mass off a little bit and, you know, it's hard to match it up. So um, certainly making them stronger, stability training, um, you know, strength work um, the whole way, basically, with players like that. And there's been examples of players like, uh, well, Tiger Woods, certainly that was one of the reasons that he embarked on so much strength training was to actually stabilize and protect his body now as it's turned out he was right to try and do that he may not have done it in the best way to be honest um but you know the general theory was there um and there's been other players that have that have mentioned that now obviously that doesn't apply to everyone but if you're hypermobile, then it does so more strength work the better more stability um because what we're really after is joint integrity joint integrity now if you have imbalances around a joint and it's restricted, that, that's not great joint integrity. We need to strengthen it up and that way we can increase the range of motion. But if you have hypermobile joints that are moving too far within the joint and they're moving past and they're sort of stretching ligaments um, within a golf swing, then that's not going to be ideal either. So they, they just need lots and lots of stability training. So would, would strength training without doing any flexibility work at all be a good or a bad thing for those clever golfers? Because you're going to maybe shorten the, um, by not doing the strengthening, uh, the, the stretching combined with the strength work. What I tend to do with players like that is I'll do – I mean, all, all strength and conditioning work that I do for golfers involves strength over range of motion. So we actually want to train to – a an optimal range of motion with a lot of the exercises and we're training them to actually squeeze muscle tissue throughout a range of motion so they're actually learning to control it so it's called eccentric control as the muscle is lengthening and the joint is opening up and getting close to its end range you need to have some muscle activity going through there to control that joint and a lot a lot of these players don't um so um it if you were to give them a standard bodybuilding program you might run up against those problems, but it's going to be a while before you run into those problems with some of those <laughs> players, you know. It's going to take a while. And, and to be honest, worst case scenario with those hypermobile um, athletes, just take six weeks off. All right, don't touch a, a weight for six weeks. If you really manage to overdo it for some reason, it's not that hard to fix. Um, but, but typically, I mean, that's really trying to muck it up. Just giving them a standard bodybuilders program is, is literally, it's, that's not trying very hard on a strength and conditioning coach's uh, you know, role. They can do a lot better than that. So strength over range of motion training is to basically teach the athlete to gain control over their range of motion. Okay. Yep. And from a coaching perspective, I was coming at it with a heap of 
proprioception drills, just trying to give them understanding of where their body was in space. So um, to them, what felt like a, a standard golf turn was in effect 120 degrees of shoulder rotation. Um, mm. So starting to get them to feel where their body was in space. So I was giving them to feel shorter swings, showing them, Back then, it was only on two D video. We had access to some three D stuff in the in the future, but it was more about just giving them a sense of what a what a a more controlled swing felt like, and that was where I went with the coaching. Um, mm. And it was it was it, it was challenging because they didn't the trust wasn't there early on. Like I was a, a foreigner in a strange country, essentially telling these golfers this is what you should be doing. So the trust was not there early on. Um, mm. It gradually filtered in, but the beauty of getting them on 3D systems when we went to the to the states to play some tournaments was they could start to see the actual data themselves, so they could start to trust the the coaching mm. that I was trying to do, and then that combined with the the biofeedback you can get from those systems as well was probably where it really started to turn with those players. You've just uh, you just jogged my memory actually. So to to be quite frank, I've actually I've I've kept my best stuff hidden from you. So, so. how dare you do that? <laughs> because uh, look, my my number one go to is exactly what you were saying: proprioception based drills, but resi- with resistance bands. So I actually get them to use their feet properly, get them to understand what it is to stabilize with your foot properly into the ground, both um, by maintaining your arches and by um, creating some ro- some torque through your hip joint, but with your foot. And by doing that, you activate your glutes properly. And I've, I've found that even with very mobile Asian golfers, which I've worked with a lot of them, um, they love the feeling of being strong in their lower half when they're making their backswing, for example. And so I've found that those, those resisted band drills, and I've got a bunch of them, and you can get specific with it if there's a specific floor or you can just give it to them, um, give them the whole package that that then is the kinesthetic tag that you then as a coach can go, I want you to feel this, and they can actually feel it because there's some muscle activity there. Because, and I think that this is one of the challenges for, for you coaches when you're on a golf tee, on a driving range, or even in a hitting bay, and you're trying to get people to feel stuff that they're just not capable of feeling because they don't have the skill or the ability to actually stabilize properly. And even if they did, some of those muscles might be so weak that they can't find them. And then this come, this this is sort of the, the thing that I'd throw to you and say, you know, essentially what what you we're kind of talking about shortening swings here, aren't we? Yes, yes, for yeah. Sure. And I'm not against that, unless it's sorry. I'm only I'm actually I am against it sometimes. I'm for it if it's done with integrity, with structural integrity where they're activating muscle tissue because I believe that a golfer has to find a stretch reflex and, you know, rather than sort of going, well, where do, do I just go halfway and then change direction? You know, do I, do I just count? Is it one and a half seconds? And then, I, you know, how they actually then decide where the top of their backswing is in particular, I reckon it's a really sensitive area for golfers. So, it, yeah, I don't know. I mean, have you sort of had, how do you sort of get a – how do you make a call on that? My, my my personal coaching feeling with with golf swing length is I want them to feel as though the arms and body stop swinging at the same time at the top of their swing. 
Now, mm. that doesn't happen because the body generally is shifting back towards the target while the arms are still going back or it should be in a good swing. Mm. Um, but the feeling, what I, the problem I have with, with players and it's all standard of golfers is their body stops turning and their arms keep moving. And to me, that gets disconnected and it gets out of control. So um, the, the feeling of the arms stopping as the body stops turning at the top of the swing generally gives the player where I think they should be at the top of their swing. Now, mm. I haven't got a problem if someone has a, has a long swing if they get there through body, body turn. I have a problem with that player that stops the body turn and gets there with the arms keeping going. Yeah. And that's that's where I would tend to tend to go at it from. Um, yeah. That's my, my personal thing. So that might start a few of the the coaches chatting on social media. So feel free to <laughs> feel free to hit me up on Twitter and Facebook and um, and have a chat about that. But that's where and what I find personally is for most average players, that's probably a, a bit shorter parallel with, with the average player, just because they don't have that flexibility to be able to make that that full body turn to get the arms back to parallel. Um, so that's the feeling that I would I would I would tend to get. Um, we'll have to get uh, Ryan on to talk about the three D perspective of that those feelings that I have as a coach to see whether I'm on the right mm. track or not. But um, mm. that would be where I would, I would tend to go. Yeah. Interesting. And we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to save our Bryson chat for another time, but, yes, uh, <laughs> but uh, there, you know, there's definitely, um, I guess that's the trade-off, isn't it? We've got range of motion to give the player more time to create power, but if it's affecting if it's not done the right way, it's going to come at too great a cost. Yeah, and there's and there's there's so many trade offs. Like, and all the stats show these days, you're better off being thirty yards further in the rough than you are thirty yards shorter in the fairway. Um, so, is it is it changing now? Is the is the game changing? And we'll certainly get to that that power conversation at some stage over the next few weeks as well. But um, so, I just wanted to, yeah, just, sorry, just before you go, I just wanted to talk about, you talk about using uh, elasticized bands in drills and stuff like that. I was always concerned because like it's a simple way to shorten a body rotation or a hip rotation and stabilize the bottom half of a golfer swing is to turn in the right foot for a right-handed golfer. So mm. you turn in that, that trail foot they feel that that coil, as you were saying, and the swing gets shorter, the body turn gets less. I was always concerned about the stress that that might put on someone's ankle or knee and whether that might cause problems with injury at some stage. Yeah, I don't like that move. I mean, I like it for a drill. I like it for a, you know, feel this, feel that. I think, I think um, you know, the really good coaches that I've seen are, are really happy to kind of, um, experiment and you know not be so careful with players and let them feel the difference between right and wrong and the different variations within their swing I think it's good to do that sort of thing but um yeah I mean obviously what we in an optimal swing we want to have the foot in the middle of the range of motion of the hip joint which is generally going to be fanned out somewhere between 10 and 25 degrees depending on the player and you can easily test it to work out where their individual foot placement should be very easily um, and we, we want to achieve activation of all the muscles that run from the foot 
all the way up to the hip, the top of the, the um, crest of the pelvis. So we want to get the glutes fully active, adductors need to be working right through the, the foot and calf. That's what we really want. Now, turning the foot in, again, it, it could be just what they need for them to go, oh, that's what it should feel like. Then put their foot out and then try and replicate that feeling with some genuine activation of muscle tissue. Um, not so concerned about injury on the trail foot, but on the lead foot. Um, whew, yeah, that's, I mean, talk, I've got to go back to Bryson. He's spinning his foot out so he doesn't snap his knee in half, you know? So, so the lead foot is a bit freaky to do that. There's, there's got to be so much stress going through that, that, that front foot when you, when you're swinging through the shot at, at, at those speeds. So we can ask Tiger. Yeah. Cause that left knee's cooked. Yeah. No, completely agree. Yeah. But just let's talk about the more common one that we see on the coaching tee is the the older golfer traditionally that hasn't got that flexibility or range of motion that we've just been talking about. Um, how would you come at that type of golfer to to increase that that flexibility or that 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 swing in in those older golfers? Well, the step one is still going to be. Um, looking for overactive tissue and mobilizing it, looking for weaknesses and strengthening it because you're still going to get the biggest bang for your buck from range of motion point of view and an injury prevention point of view. But I have also found, and this is where I'm going to perfectly dovetail back to stretching programs now. So, so stretching programs are actually still really good. And I've found that if you do um, whole body movements, you know, sort of deep squats with, you know, assistance. And there's, you know, five or six sort of key go-to stretches that I, that I would use with older golfers. It's amazing what a difference that makes, um, particularly if it is sort of body weight-based stretches. So what I mean by that is using, using gravity and the weight of your body to actually stretch yourself. So um, I find that because of the changes that we get with older golfers, so you know, there's some structural changes that happen. There's shortening. We lose sarcomeres from the muscle tissue. We get greater laying down of fibrous tissue in the joints. So things do actually tighten and stiffen up. And it's like an old classic car. You've just got to take it out of the garage sometimes and, you know, take it for a drive and, and uh, check, make sure it's got lots of oil and it's well lubricated. So older bodies do need to move through range of motion more than younger bodies do. Um, and I've, it's been amazing with some of the older players that I've worked with where just a little bit of loosening up and all of a sudden they have their best score in 10 years. And you go, wow, what happened? I was hitting it 30 metres further. And it's just, it's unbelievable how you can unlock their body because typically they haven't lost too much strength, but they've lost range of motion. So they lose distance because of that. So it, it, it's kind of, they're basically the opposite of a teenage Asian golfer. Yep. <laughs> you know, Very they're true. literally the opposite. Um, yep. So you have an opposite approach with them. Yeah, com- completely agree with that. And it's with this type of golfer, it's a challenge from a coaching perspective because, as you said, sometimes you can just maybe do something small like increase the hip turn in the backswing or um, let the lead foot come up a little bit on the way back just to increase that body turn just to get a little bit more clubhead speed and a little bit more distance. Um, but vice versa can work as well. And I've seen it where the player – in trying to create a, a full backswing, so to speak, mm. has um, disconnected arms and body with their swing and their contact has suffered because they've done that. So sometimes just 
what is possibly shortening that golf swing just by feeling like they're more connected can actually improve the impact conditions and actually get them a better ball flight just by improving that. So yeah. it can work a bit both ways sometimes with those with those inflexible golfers. Well, I think what it comes down to is you've got to understand the body that your golfer is in. And if we you know, do some range of motion testing, you can actually work out what the player can and can't do um, and then build a swing around that. So, so rather than exposing their vulnerabilities or their range of motion that's no good, um, you know, build a swing with what you've actually got. So understanding the engine in front of you is going to be the key, obviously, as a golf coach, to have success with them rather than, you know, building their head up against a brick wall because you're asking them to do something that they just can't do physically. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy that this podcast keeps coming back to personalized training. How how, <laughs> how crazy is that? It's uh, just, um, it it just keeps coming back to that fact that you need to coach the person that's standing in front of you and not have any any generalized theories about what golf and what training actually is. It's about understanding that person standing in is a is a is a different person every time, and you need to personalize and cater for that person standing in front of you. And so, you know, a golf coach understanding four or five, uh, you know, the, the TBI program runs, it, it's, it's good. It, it gives you some tools that you can use. There's other ways to learn it. But basically, you do need to understand some basic range of motion testing that you can quickly and easily do on the tee with your player so you've got an understanding of what you're actually working with so that you can make every, every coaching move a winner. Yeah. Again, and I would, I would just enforce that again that it's critically important as a coach to have that general understanding. And if you give, if you, if you get that through tertiary study, as I did, or you get it through TPI, which I am going to do at some stage as well, um, any of that type of training, even talking to people like yourself and Ramsey and those kind of guys that are in that field full time, it's it's critical to have that that general general idea of what what is and isn't good in a golf swing when it comes to a physical perspective. Extremely mm. important. Have you so, got more curveballs to yeah, throw at me? Or what's, what's going do, on? I'll, I'll throw a screwball just to, so they don't see it coming. So it curves <laughs> the other way. Um, so, so stretching. So why is it that stretching is actually useful um, when it may not necessarily improve range of motion? Um, and, yeah, so there was a couple of nice little studies that have been done with golfers on this one where they've actually shown that um, stretch programs can actually improve the facilitation of the stabilizer muscles. So it's actually almost a, the strengthening effect of the stretching is actually part of um, the benefit. Um, static stretching definitely needs to be done after training and after golf rather than before. So static long hold stretches where you hold a position for 30 seconds or more. Don't do that before you train. Don't do it before you play. It basically messes with the nervous system and you lose distance and accuracy. Um, dynamic stretching where you move feel a stretch, hold it for a few seconds only, and then move back and sort of going back and forth. Dynamic warm-ups definitely help. They help a lot. They actually increase accuracy in club head speed. Um, so just picking and choosing the type of stretching and flexibility work that you're going to do and when you're going to do it is important. So I'd say in, in summary, I would say dynamic stretching before you play. If you've got some areas that are stiff or uncomfortable, hit them with a ball, a massage ball or a foam roller. Um, and then afterwards, if you're going to do some long hold stretching, then that's good too. Um, that's basically what I would say. And if you've got some stubborn range of motion, some stubborn joints that aren't moving as well as you like, get assessed by a physiotherapist and get some specific exercises to strengthen the muscles around the joint. 
and that's how you'll actually break through that that barrier. Okay, so we can obviously again going back to Ramsey again. He's um his little key rings used to hand out with those five exercises <laughs> to um to get you started. So that yeah, was- they were dynamic. They were dynamic warm ups. So it wasn't about getting on the ground and holding a stretch for a minute. It was about moving and actually getting a little bit of proprioception, a little bit of stimulation of the nervous system, but mostly warming up the tissue around the joints. Yeah, I'm sure I've got that as a PDF somewhere, so I, I'll, I'm, I might try and get it out on social media so people can see what the great man was doing years and years and years ago. I've got, I've got it somewhere. It's probably in my golf bag, actually. That's I'm where sure it was meant to be. <laughs> I'm sure I've got key rings still floating around. <laughs> so I'm sure I've got some of those as well floating around. So tying into a couple of episodes ago where we spoke about recovery, would mm. the, the spiky ball stuff and the foam roller stuff be good in that situation after you finish playing around to, yeah. to get the body clear up for the next day? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unless you're – Unless you're Adam Scott and you've got Adam Scott's golf swing, you're probably going to overuse some muscles in your in your in your swing, and that that tight musculature or overactivity of some of those muscles around the joints before you fully cool down is the perfect time to to normalise the tissue so that you optimise your range of motion before you fully cool down. Because once you cool down, sleep on it, wake up the next morning, things don't quite feel the same. It's a bit. It takes longer to get it out of your your musculoskeletal system. It takes longer to get the change. So straight after is great. Makes a big difference. Um, and it, it look. It's a good way to actually chill out as well. Is to get on the ground. And even though it's painful, you get an endorphin release. Did you know? Anytime you feel pain, you'll get an endorphin release. Yeah. So exercise releases endorphins because it hurts. So, <laughs> so if you go and do a really light exercise program and feel no pain. I mean, yeah, you don't get as many endorphins. So, so the ball and doing some of that work can actually help you in that way, uh, as well as just um, you know moving on and letting go of whatever shit happened out in the golf course. Yeah, for sure. Well, you can tie in as a psych trigger as well. So, mm. just having that having that spiky ball um, can be a psych trigger to to clear out that round and say, okay, we're going to start planning for day two tomorrow. And yeah. yeah. Awesome. It's important to have that activity to actually move on, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is, and as as we spoke about before, I used to have them fill out a form and tear it up if it was a bad day. And okay, that's that's complete. They fill out the the psych debriefing sheet about the good and the bad about their round and what happened and what was good and what was not so good, and then I get them to scrunch it up or tear it up. Okay, it's done. Burn burn the playbook, Phil Jackson style. That's it. <laughs> Start again tomorrow. So that was that was always pretty cool. Yeah, great. So, mate, have you got any more curveballs for me today, or have we have oh, we covered them all today? I'll just throw you a nice juicy one down the middle, so you can hit a home run, mate, and get us out of here. <laughs> no, that was good. I think um, we've covered everything nicely today. Yeah, very good, mate. Excellent. A pretty cool Thank idea. You. So, again, I'd like everyone to hit me up on social media for any topics you want to hear us discuss. Um, so, coaching pod at Twitter and Coaching Uncovered at Instagram and Facebook. We would love to um, hear your thoughts on the shows and your suggestions for topics and definitely add yourself to the Facebook group that Scotty runs. Golf, Golf Performance per- Science. So yep, just search for that and just request to join and we'll, we'll let you in the door. 
it'll be great and we can share some ideas about coaching and fitness and all sorts of things in there. So there's some pretty good conversations going on in there. So uh, thanks for coming in again, Scotty. Thanks to everyone out there for tuning in and we will catch up with you all soon. Thank you.